we want to share with you about our, our time last week. We were, we were in Kansas City for an event called Descend. Throw that graphic up, Emma. This was a, I, I, it's really geared towards students and young adults. And I am the least of, the, uh, of that category, probably, of those up on the stage. Um, but it was something that we felt that we wanted to go and to be a part of. Um, do you see that graphic there, Em, the first slide? Oh, this is wobbly. There we go. Okay. Um, and and what, was, what was neat about this event in Kansas City is that um, it was the collaboration of a number of different ministries that have shaped us all of up, up on stage, a number of speakers and mothers and fathers of the faith that have shaped us over the last number of years. Um, some, some high-profile names like Heidi Baker, you would, you would be familiar with her, Francis Chan, Mike Bickle, those kind of individuals were, were all here. But what drew me to this event, of course, was just the collaboration of a number of different organizations. It wasn't one sort of one group or one church that hosted their conference. It was, it was a partnership of, of a number of ones, including International House of Prayer, uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about these uh, momentarily. Um, Awaken the Dawn is an organization, and then Forerunner Church is there as well. Um, but we're, we're drawn, at least I am, I think I can speak for all of us, are drawn to, to movements that are sort of cross lines and, and, and are collaborative, because we, we have that same heart here at King's Church to, um, to, to take our place among many who are, who are doing kingdom work. So the Send officially was a one-day stadium event in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Uh, if you've ever been to some stadiums, you know that many of them are open air, so there's no, there's no shelter. So this was, a, this was a formidable challenge for us because we all had kids in tow um, for this. But we would find out that some of the things that impacted us the most were, was not the stadium event on Saturday. You know, Sam was there too, and he said the same thing. It was not the stadium event there with however many, 40,000 students um, and people of all ages. It was some of the other things as well, the other events that we were a part of. Um, so we just want to share a little bit about some of our takeaways from that. And we'll begin just by talking a little bit about some of these other encounters that we had International House of Prayer. So, can I, can I kind of preface the yeah. property? You don't go too deep into that. No, All right. So, to give you guys a little bit of perspective, what happened in Kansas City last weekend is a culmination of really decades of prophecy. Um, a long time ago, I won't go too deep into this. It's all connected to Israel. It's connected to the coming of the Lord. It's connected to several different details. Long story short, what's the year that Israel became a nation? So Truman, President Truman was pivotal. He was the person in America, obviously, that was able to initiate that process. Um, so there was a, a long series of words that have been given, but primarily was that Truman would be a governmental political intercessor to open up Israel and bring them back into the land. So since then, there has been just kind of like this underground current of prophetic word and promise building for the last 30 years, 40 years, or however long we're talking here. What you need to know is in Kansas City, there's this property called the Truman property. If you're there in Grandview, Missouri, or that's right there on the border of Kansas City, 
you'll see Truman Road or Street or Lane or whatever it is. So we had five or six tents that were set. I say we, I mean the collective body of Christ that was there. Uh, of course, King's Church were there in spirit and body as well. But as far as those that actually set up the tents, they're there as a prophetic fulfillment of this word saying, God, you promised that you were going to, you know, bless the people of Israel. Your word for Israel is not over. You are going to complete and finish everything you started regarding your chosen people. So there's these years of prophetic words. So what I want you to kind of picture is if Truman was this, this prophetic sign in the earth of God fulfilling what he would start, what he started, he'll finish with Israel. Now we've got these open, this open tent meeting, not just revivalists and praying for you know, evangelism, but people who are really pouring out their heart to see the Lord redeem and restore Israel. And it was just a really beautiful thing. So I just want to give you a little bit of a context of what was happening over the weekend, building up to the send. There was an entire week there on the Truman property. Again, words that have been released for the last 30 years, words of promise suddenly, you know, those suddenly moments. It's like, it can be, everything can kind of be happening and even like it can feel like it's growing cold. And then in a suddenly moment, you're, you're standing in the middle of a promise. And that's where, everyone was at. So the, the, the atmosphere was really just electric. The Lord really is establishing his, his promises in the earth, his promises towards Israel. And not only that, he really is coming again. That's right. So. That's right. Good. So uh, some of the organizations that were behind this, Chuck mentioned there were some tents, um, five or six uh, tents on this sort of Truman property there. Um, and in the week leading up to the Saturday stadium event, there was some around-the-clock prayer and worship happening on these tents hosted by this organization called Awaken the Dawn. Their focus is, uh, is just establishing prayer tents and houses of prayer um, and, and raising up just a grassroots prayer and worship movement across the U.S. So they, Awaken the Dawn came hosting tents, hosting worship around the clock 24-7 for the week. That, was, that, that, that whole series was called The Flood, and then the event Saturday was called The Send. The heart of The Send, of course, is mobilizing, uh, mobilizing the, this generation for, for mission and for evangelism, to live lives of action for the gospel. So that was sort of one of the, one of the, um, one of the themes uh, that was there. So... Um, so International House of Prayer, of course, is located there in Kansas City. That's, that's half the reason that I was wanting to go is to visit the, what we call IHOP, KC. If you ever heard us say the word IHOP or International House of Prayer, it's not about pancakes. It's actually about prayer. Uh, there is an IHOP pancake house down the road. But this uh, IHOP KC, this prayer house, um, is, is uh, sort of one of the more well-known prayer rooms in the United States. They have been praying and worshiping 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week since 1999. They have not stopped prayer and worship there at their space. And it's, of course, they've grown um, in, in influence. They've got, you know, a school and they've got a mission sending organization. They've got an internship program. Uh, it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. You've heard of the name Mike Bickle. He is the, the founder of IHOP. He, uh, and, and he just was following the Lord's direction and, and kicking that off. So we were able to experience being in the prayer room there uh, uh, at IHOP as well. Um, And also, uh, Forerunner Church is a local congregation that was birthed out of IHOP. 
Um, a number of years ago, they, they sort of saw the need for their prayer room, for their intercessors, for their interns to have a local church expression. Um, and before that, many were going to just different churches, but Forerunner Church was birthed out of the prayer room, um, and, and, and we were able to visit that church on Sunday morning as well. So um, it, was a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a powerful weekend, um, and we, as a team, we were able to, to debrief um, the, the five of us plus Sasha plus Angelica um, and Ashley uh, were, were able to go as well. There was a number of others from Lexington that made the trip out there. So it was a good representation from the Lexington church that went out. Um, but a couple things that we, you know, that I asked the team, um, and I'll give them a chance to speak on that, is one of them is sort of what, uh, what impacted you the most or what impressed you the most just about the weekend in general? What stood out to you the most about that? So... Maybe I'll let one of you guys answer those. Anybody here? We have one mic and we'll pass it back and forth. You sure? Oh, okay. I think I turned this off. Sorry there. All right, thanks. All right, so I was so excited and had no idea really what to expect. I was... Um, I can't have to have my hands to talk. <laughs> I felt like there was this uh, anticipation of going like, we're gonna get to see lots of things. And everybody's talking about the sin, the sin, the sin. <clears throat> if I'm honest though, to be, to be there, the flood that happened before, really I think affected me more than anything else. Um, when we first kicked off King's Church, I remember, um, and we were actually having a conversation about this uh, not too long ago, um, your mom and I, but we were, ha we were out at our property, which it was called Willow Hill Farm, and we were there, and one day, out of the blue, we were all praying, and I just saw this huge white tent um, out in front of the farm, and I just saw people coming, and I just started praying. I was like, Lord, and I, I've come to find out that many people over time, over the last for a number of years, have had kind of had these pictures in their heads of large white tents, just big tents, um, almost like the revival season happening again with tents. And so when we drove up, and our hotel was like... We could walk, so we walked to the tent area um, a couple times, but, but you could see it, and then there were these other tents on the property, and so there was 24 um, worship that was happening in some, and then there were intercessor tents that were happening, and so I think there were three over America and one over Israel, if I'm correct, on what was happening in the intercessory tents. And then there was this huge tent, and, um, and, and we would like spill out. There were so many chairs, I'm not quite sure. Sam, were you there too for the, for the flood? Were you, did they say at one point it was like a thousand? thousand chairs inside, um, something like that. I think it was like a th couple thousand inside and then it would flow out um, to more outside. And I can't remember how many they said as a total were there. But I remember sitting there one night um, with Francis Chan was on the, um, was speaking and we had moved outside the tent so that the kids could play and run because there was 22 of us and just in our group. Um, and I think that's like 11 kids. And, and so we had moved back because the kids did so well, but you know, they're still kids. And so we're sitting back there and Sasha looks over at one point and she's having to take care of a baby for a few minutes, but she looks over at one point and she's like, Meg, this is what um, Israel was like. 
And she's like, this is it. It's like around the tent and there's teaching and there's stuff, but there's life happening because there were so many children there, so many kids, so many teens, so many young adults. And, and I remember at one point they had asked people, they're like, okay, if you're like with YWAM, stand up. And a third of everybody that was there like stood up and were with YWAM. And I mean, it was just impactful to see the body of Christ coming together in that manner and, and to know that there was, it wasn't just one person, you're stepping into to history that has been previously made. And sometimes you're fighting for history that's been previously made. And I, I sort of feel like that is sort of about us at times with King's Church. It's like we thought, okay, we're, we're just in our, our, at our farm. We're praying. God gives us a vision. Let's start a church. Let's have a house of prayer with it. And we don't realize then what, what we're going to step into when we walked into and the Lord put us in this building and the Lord walked into and said, you're going to come into Lexington. We didn't realize that. And I think that's kind of what happened with Mike Bickle and some of those people is they didn't realize stepping into like Truman's vision for stuff and then just these ideas that things are starting to be fulfilled. It's like modern day little blips of prophecy where people said, I believe this, I believe that. And so then you have thousands of people coming together where so many of them have had these visions and had this heart for it. And it really felt like everywhere we went, we found kindred spirits that were in that way. Um, do you have some thought that's on your head? So if we can get the picture of the send back up real quick. Again, this weekend was such a culmination of a vision. For me, it was really a, a, a really like a, a, a completion. Uh, it struck me that the first time I'd ever gone to one of these events, I was a, a young man. I was single. I had no children, um, no wife, obviously. And it was 2007. Um, and my mom and dad were brave enough to allow a young man to pray and fast for 40 days for the turning of God to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children to see revival in America. And that event that I was, that was leading up to that, that, that fast that the hundreds of thousands of people across the world, certainly thousands in America, um, was in, it was in June or July 7th, 7, 2007. And that was an event called The Call. If you're not familiar with The Call, that was a ministry led by Lou Engel. And if you look at that logo, The Call was all about connecting, reconnecting people with God. So the logo was not an arrow pointing out, it was an arrow pointing up. So if you see this logo, the send was this time where now the arrow has come. We've, we've seen something happen catalytically in our nation where the church has matured to a certain degree and now the young ones have young ones. Do you hear me? I was a young man, I had no kids and now I'm surrounded by family at this event and kids are everywhere, and now the arrow is pointing out and it's saying go. That's right. I was really marked by the tent because I felt like when I was there, this is a, a fulfillment of prophecy that at 7707, Lou Engle would say that God was gonna raise up a generation to break and turn back the rebellion. That what was released in the 60s during Woodstock, uh, if you can't love be with the one you love, love the one you're with culture, a selfishness culture that opened up Pandora's box to abortion, self-seeking attitudes and styles in our culture. They called it the summer of love, but it was really the summer of 
deception and confusion. What I saw was the Lord raising up a holy woodstock saying, instead of simply a time where youth and young adults would spend their wiles on each other, here now God has raised up a generation, a family, a redeemed Woodstock. And I looked all around with the flags and the tents and the music. And here it was, it was like a brand new, a truly redeemed summer of love. And I believe that that's partly what these tents are doing. It's, it's gonna bring in a harvest of young adults, young ones that have raised up young ones. And now a releasing generation where before the Lord was really, it, what he was doing is he was harvesting the harvesters. The Bible says, pray, the, the, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. So pray for laborers. And I believe what we've been witnessing since the early 2000s, since the beginning of the call and, and beyond that to even promise keepers and other events like that, what we've been witnessing is the Lord raising up. He's been harvesting, harvesting families. And what I saw was a heart being poured out for Gen Z, a redemption of what was lost at Woodstock, and, and even if, it, if it's in a small way, the clock being turned back and the Lord saying, I'm going to bring back what was lost during that right. time. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, come on. Yeah. So I also didn't really know what I was getting myself into, driving 600 miles with our three small children. Uh, but we trust Meg and Brad as our leaders, and they said, we really want our leadership there. So... We packed our kids up and drove 600 miles and arrived in 95 degree heat. And I was like, oh boy, okay, we can do this. But also, like Meg, the flood was really where I would say um, I got more out of. Um, it was, and also going to the prayer room. The prayer room really struck, uh, struck me because, and I think I, Chuck and I had this conversation of, um, there was so much freedom, but there was also so much structure. Um, and with our heart being for prayer and wanting um, a full prayer room night and day, 24-7 as well, um, I see the logistics and it's something that I enjoy. And when we walked in, there was a very kind lady in a vest who could tell that I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, just that I was there and came in with little kids and um, to have, well, here are the rules, and, you know, a lot of times we hear rules and people think, oh, don't tell me what to do, and um, these sort of things, but it, it was, um, it was really in, in freedom that, well, here's the space if you want to dance, and here are spaces if you want to journal your prayers, or um, if you want to go sit in the front, there are all these chairs, please don't be in the aisle, because, you know, the fire marshal says no, and um, <laughs> there were just all these, all these different things that um, whatever the expression of worship that, that you wanted to show, it was, it was available there, um, and it was, it was not limiting, but again, so much structure, it was really, that was really cool to see of, like, how do we, how do we do this, and because um, it felt like, you know, they're like-minded to our church, but 20 years ahead of us. Um, and even going to Forerunner, it was it was like, oh yeah, this is, um, it, I don't know, it felt like a, like a big brother, big sister sort of. And we, we, we've shaped much of our philosophy on, on the model that they've built. They've 
they've done this for 20 years. They've gone through trial and error. They've figured out some things that work. It's not the only, of course, it's not the only model. You know, God's people have been praying for thousands of years without IHOP. I mean, they'll be praying around the world with just all kinds of different models, all kinds of different expressions. This is one that seemed to work well for IHOP. It's, it's, it's one that involves the marriage of, of prayer and worship and music together. Um, using the word as, as praying the word, it gives, it gives uh, some, some language to our prayer. There's a structure and a schedule to how things, how people move in and out. Um, it involves several different people, not just one person praying or singing. It involves a number of different people who sing vocally and come up and read the word and, and, and are intercessors. You've heard us talk about harp and bull. That's the model that they use. It's what we have been developing here for the last three years since we started. We did a teaching last, uh, a, a Zoom con- a training on that last year, and we just did a four-week um, in-person one, just ended up right before we went to the call. So this, this is a chance for us to see that live and to sort of say, yeah, this is how it works. And as Jess says, we all realize this gives some bones to the structure. Um, for an organism to grow, it needs some structure, it needs some bones. You know, little one-cell protozoa and amoeba, they're living things, but they're not going to get much bigger than that without some structure. So it was neat for us to see that as well. Um, oh, I have a thought. Can I mm-hmm. share a thought? So a couple of verses jumped out to me throughout, and I feel I love it. I think, did Joe already have to leave? He may have left. But um, it was interesting. I, I was talking to Joe a little bit ago, drummer, um, beautiful drummer Joe. Am I on? I guess y'all can hear me because it doesn't sound like it's on from here. But I was, oh, um, but I was just like one of those, oh, you are there. Hey, Joe. But we were talking a little bit earlier because for... I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while. It's probably been a year where I turn around and I see 1111s everywhere. I mean, it is just like constant sometimes. And I promise, I I screenshot it on my phone every time I see it. I just screenshot my phone. And I somehow make almost every 1111. Like, um, they they joke about clearing out the memory on my phone just from the 1111 screenshots. And it's not something I try to look for. I just feel like the Lord highlights it. Um, Whether it's like going shopping and the the amount is 1111 or you go out to a restaurant and the amount is $111.11, which is a little random, but it's happened more than once. So anyway, so it's like one of those things, And but the Lord had turned me to Deuteronomy 11.11 a number of years ago, which is a little bit like, and I think I shared this at church several months ago, but it's, it's a different version, but it's much like the Shema, like hero Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, you know, and so it's like, it's a different version of the Shema, but it, it's, it's sort of that whole theme from Deuteronomy 6 and then Deuteronomy 11, just this idea of like, listen to the Lord. He is your God. You do these things and he will bless you. He will take care of you. Here's the fruit. But part of it that says in there, it's very much like if you do these things, there is provision. You are reliant on the rain from heaven. And and it's just beautiful. If you read through Deuteronomy 11, 11 through like 15, it's just become like a a hum in my spirit much of the time, whether it's a really, really hard day, it's like I'm relying on rain from you, Lord. And if it's a good day, I'm relying on rain from you. And on the way there, the Lord really started speaking to me about the latter rain. And, and just and there's even something in there that talks about early rain and later rain. And, and just the Lord has been speaking about his pouring out to me quite a bit. Um, and then he had shifted kind of the week before we got there, he'd been kind of highlighting some stuff um, about David and Solomon and Solomon's journey. And, um, and then he had pointed me, because I shared with you, I've been kind of specifically going through Proverbs again lately. And on the 15th, um, the Lord really just jumped out to me, 15, I think it's verse 30. It's the last verse. And the very last part of it says, um, humility comes before honor. 
And that had just, I mean, it has just taken my gut, y'all. I mean, there have been some times of just like pouring out before the Lord of like humility comes before honor. And we talk so much about honoring. Honor is kind of like a new keyword, which is getting picked up. But we don't talk quite so much about humility and of going low. And I just was really struck that at King's Church, we're very aware that we ask a lot of you guys a lot of the time. Like it's a, it's a lot to help steward this. We talk about stewarding the building because we feel very much like the Lord's kind of said, will you take care of this? Will you steward? But it takes a lot of volunteer hours and a lot of people who are giving it themselves very freely to figure out why is the air conditioning not hot? Thank you, Jim, for turning our air down. A few minutes ago, you can tell it's now cooling off in here. And you know, there's just so many things. Marcy jumped in and did nursery today so we could jump out here. You know, we've hit the summer season, so it's a lot of traveling and the ins and outs. And it's just a really beautiful thing. And I'm aware of this about you guys giving yourself all the time. And, and sometimes there can almost be like a weird guilt associated with that. Like, hey, we're sorry to ask again. Hey, we're sorry to ask again. And then it hit me when we were at Forerunner Church listening because the Lord, it was so beautiful. The Lord sort of set us up for success. We went for the early service because, you know, we're used to getting here fairly early. So we were like, we're going to go to the early service and then we'll have time off. We'll get out early, go do an easy lunch and hang out. No, then the Lord said, stay for both services. And we were like, guys, will you stay for both services? And they were like, of course we will. So we had just been given this beautiful row where the Lord opened up this row really up close so we could see. And, and we're sitting there and I was listening to Mike Bickle, like he'd kind of pop out on stage and give a dad joke and um, back and forth. And you're talking and you're listening to, to Francis Chan and he sat there with his eyes just shut most of the time until he'd start talking. But what hit me was this intersubmission between all of the people that are at the sin the people whose hearts are, are pulled, the leaders who have all led their own movements or their own thing. Heidi Baker was sharing this story. She's like, the Lord had to directly tell her, go back to the United States. I mean, she had like shut it down. She's like, I'm done. I'm not coming back to the U.S. This is my home. I'm not going. And the Lord was like, I need you to go. And she stands on, on stage and she's confessing this. Like, I don't really want to be here, but I am. And, and then and it's like... Um, Francis Chan, we all know his story. Most of us probably do that. He left a couple of years ago as well. And there's just these, these men who are like, I'd rather just go sit at the feet of Jesus really than have to fight and share or even teach about this. Like, I'd rather just, just sit. And one second, I'll turn it over to you. Two seconds. But, but it was like this idea that they all would intersubmit to each other. And there was this humility that they all bring to it. And they all just laid before each other of like, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. Like, you are dear to my heart. And I thought that is this culture that these men in their individual places all around the U.S. have built or all around the world, and they bring this together. And I was like, Lord, that's what we want to model. Right. That's what we want to model. That's one of the things that stood out, to, I think, to, to many of us is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't leader-centric. Um, we had no idea who was speaking when. There, was, there wasn't a headliner. You know, and often when you go to these conferences, it's the big name is the headliner at night at seven o'clock, and they announce it. They didn't do that. You had no idea who's going to be speaking when, you know, so, you know, we showed up at two o'clock in the afternoon and Heidi Baker is there sharing and Francis Chan is after her and you just, you don't know. And th that's intentional um, on their part because again, they don't want it to become about any, any one 
individual or speaker or musician or music team. The gathering was, was the intention of the gathering was just to come together for consecration to the Lord. So it was really, it was, it was beautiful to see that, you know. Um, and what also, what also struck me here is that, I made a note of it, where did I see it? Um, Well, I'll come back to that. I want to see if you guys have any other reflections on, on the send event or, or the tents itself. And then we'll talk a little bit about prayer room and forerunner. I didn't want to... Oh, is this on? Yeah, yeah it is. I don't want to um, jump ahead, yeah. but she was mentioning some of the, the panel discussion mm-hmm. um, at Forerunner the day after. And I felt like it's, it, did, that was such a, it did such a good job of kind of encapsulating the entire uh, weeks prior and ahead. I want you guys to imagine, and this is something that I think is so powerful about these events is because it brings together the broader body of Christ. It pulls us into a broader story, you know, internationally, um, and then not even just international, intergenerationally. How many of you, raise your hand, if you feel deeply connected to Israel? It's few of us. But you are deeply connected to the story of Israel. Your family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we read this book, Brad and I have talked about this several times. When we read these stories, um, this is our family line. I'm reading about my forefathers and mothers in the faith that how deeply am I allowing that to pull me in? And So one of the most powerful things about the week and weekend for me was seeing those people building that broader storyline. What is the Lord doing in the earth? And the different, different ways because of, you know, uh, while we're there, you don't know exactly what's gonna go on. You know, the reality is you guys are getting a little taste of the sin this morning, uh, at least in regards to our children, because they're over there right now being kids. You know, that's, that's exactly what we experienced. And we didn't get to spend like young ones 12 hours from 10 a.m., to 10 p.m. in the stadium. We spent four hours in the morning. And one of the most powerful things was, was that it wasn't that we connected necessarily to anything that really happened on the stage. It was that God had appointments with other parts of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sasha, I think I kind of, if, if you're available, maybe you and Megan to touch in on that. But there was something really powerful that God had a family in the the highest section of the entire stadium at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, where we had all ran to for reprieve out of the sun because it was the only place that there was any shade whatsoever. Um, First, the audio was working up there and you could hear the speakers and then suddenly you couldn't. So we're all kind of like trying to, to stay in faith. On one part, we're like, Good Lord, did we make the wrong decision to even be here? Because this is... We felt, like the, we felt like the children of Israel when we got there, scouting out different places. What, what row of 22 is in shade? All right, Jonathan, you're going to run scout out that. It's on the other side of the raised stadium. No, we got there. It was in, taped off for construction. We've got to go somewhere else. So we felt very nomadic trying to find our home. And, in this. and so much of that was just really an object lesson to trust God with your time. Like if the Lord, trust God with your family. Um, so yeah, I'll go on. I just want to piggyback on that because I think there is a word for us as a, as a corporate body, as the body of Christ. So when 
we're going, I mean, how many kids do we have with all of us? 11 kids. And one was a newborn and two, all the way to 18. Yeah, yeah, 19. So like you have the whole span and we're melting. Like we are melting going to this. And it's, so it doesn't feel in the natural like this has any fruit in it. Because my family gets there. We're all in our row. We, f- we find our first place. And my kids just start melting. And, melting in physical, but they're crying, and I'm looking at Chuck. We can't talk to one another, like, because the, the music is so loud, and I do. I start thinking, God, did I miss you on this? Should I have left my kids? Like, my whole heart was that my kids would just be exposed to others going after God, you know, and us just saying yes to God no matter what, and I just had to believe that, you know, just like the Israelites, there were kids, and they were crying, like, I just can't believe this washed up view that it was like, oh, we're following the cloud, we're following the fire, glory, glory all the time. It's like, no, they were crying and they're complaining and most of that was coming from below 18. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure it was coming from the adults because it was coming from us too. But like you're having to like have this sort of resolve like, God, where are you? And I, I, I have to meet with you. And so, like they said, we go to this this high higher ground. And Meg asked me, she's like, "How are you?" I'm like, trying. Like, I don't have words. I'm just about to start crying because I feel so overwhelmed. And like Chuck said, I'm questioning my decision for my whole family. And at that moment, she's like, "Well, here, have my earpiece." She has like this. What do you call them? Earbuds, Bluetooth, whatever. I'm, again, I'm still not there on the, the hip, hip. But anyways, so she gives me her earpiece and Francis Chan goes, what if it's not about you? <laughs> and I'm like, hear you, Lord, loud and clear. And um, he just starts talking about Job and the story of Job and how it's like everything is stripped away. It's like we can sit here and sing God, nothing else, nothing else. And we're feeling the goosies and we're like, yes, Lord, nothing else. And then we walk out the door and our family starts complaining. You know, we get a phone call, work is not doing good or whatever. There's relational discourse. What happens then? Because the in-between, God has to be big enough, strong enough, real enough for the in-between or count me out of this Christianity thing. Like, I need a God that can reconcile the family of God. You know what I'm saying? I need a God that's big enough for my selfishness, and he did it. It's called the cross and the resurrection. Praise the Lord. So anyway, so Francis is like, it's not about you. I was like, oh, Maybe it's not about me, praise God. I was like, well, that just is a relief in itself. But then, you know, he goes to the story of Job. And so my eyes start shifting and then um, they go into a time of worship and there is this woman who um, um, was there and she's like, I just feel burdened. Like, can we just pray for the loss in our family? And I'm like, yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, and she had several children. I think she had five. Yeah, she had five kids. So, like, it's just, I love that because it becomes real. It's like, this either works for us 
big family folk or it doesn't work, you know? And so we're melting. We're sometimes in our flesh, sometimes in the spirit. She's obviously in the spirit at that point. And she's like, I think we need to pray for our lost family members. And again, her viewpoint is like, it's not about me. It's about my lost family. It's about God's heart that he wants his family. So I start, we start praying and I just feel the Lord's tears. And it's like, that I don't, if you're an intercessor, it's like, there's nothing sweeter than feeling God's heart for something. And so all of a sudden it's like, I'm not crying my own tears of the flesh. I'm crying tears in the spirit. You know, when, uh, what is it? Romans five, where he's like groans too much. Like I'll pray through you. It's like, there's nothing sweeter. So I started praying for my family members and, and just receiving this, this like almost impartation from her, of intercession for my family. And so that was super sweet. So there, there's just a couple of things she left out that are really important. Um, so I got to, I, I saw this, you know, as dads, dads, you know, like on the background, you know, when, when the lack of control of your wife's emotions, can I get, can I get a dad in here to say amen? When you're like, I can't father, you're like, I want to help but she needs Jesus, you know, I'm not able to help right here. So I'm witnessing all of this and I'm of course feeling the same stuff. Thanks Brad for the honesty. Everybody else is like, I gotta go home with this person. Careful Chuck. So, um, so uh, but I'm, and I don't mean that in a way like I'm mad or struggling with her. It's just, it's hard because I wanna help and I can't, you know. Um, and before any of that started, so Sasha meets this woman and it's really important too. So this is a black couple and the re, that's, that matters right now, doesn't it? Um, and, and I'll get to that in a second. But what happens is Sasha's, we've just gotten the kids some, some food that probably costs more than what we ought to even consider because it's in the stadium. You couldn't bring food in, you know, think about this. We couldn't bring our own waters and snacks. So we don't have any, you know, anything. So we have to go spend $35,000 on, on a, you know, three chicken tenders on bad hot dogs. And so, and then my kid eats the entire foot long and I'm like, that was supposed to be for two of you. Um, So, but I, I, as that kind of settled in, I'm watching Sasha, you know, really struggle. And uh, this, this lady, I guess, had spoken a few things to you at that point. And Sasha's leaning against the wall. There's a gap between her and then the stadium's in the front between Sasha and everything. And the, the lady is watching everything down, you know, because we're so high up. And she turns around and she just looks to Sasha and she says, I'm so glad you're here. And Sasha just broke down. And, and I knew it in that moment. Those were the words of the Lord, that the word of the Lord to Sasha was, I'm glad that you're here. And her saying that was really powerful. And I guess I'll just say, and I think Megan might step in here too, the connection between us in this time that the body of Christ from, you know, uh, from African-Americans to, to Anglos, and I know that Sasha's not exactly Anglo, but, you know, just seeing us together as one body, different cultures, different backgrounds in one place, God had a divine appointment and his word to us of different cultures, different ethnicities is, I'm so glad you're here. And that's just something to think about. That, those few words were more powerful than probably anything else I experienced in that stadium that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say that when we, 
you know, it's interesting because Sasha had this had this beautiful connection with Tracy, which was her name, and and then Keon, her husband, was there, and they have like the most gorgeous little kids. And and Brad and I had actually met Tracy a few minutes before that on our own separately because I'm sitting there and this the most adorable little like mm, chunkster of a two year old. Um, was climbing this wall, this this railing, and had her leg up over it. And mom is holding a baby and looking off, and the two-year-old is climbing up, and Brad and I are both literally, I mean, it's about here to there, and we're both like, because we're in a seat, and we're like, like, I mean, there was like three times where I almost jumped up and just like pulled her off. I was like, yeah. and and so let me just preface, without without Jonathan, I don't know what we would have done that day because Jonathan kept just like, he'd grab a baby and run. And he was like so fast in the crowd to find places for us to sit. I mean, he was really like Moses cutting through the crowd and being like, y'all over here. And like, he'd call and be like, so you're gonna have to go up the spiral, nine spirals up. Each spiral is like a separate floor nine spirals up and then walk over here and you're going to walk up these steps 43 sets of chairs up (laughs) 43 40 43 sets up nine floors already up before that at this point I'm pretty sure God and I are like heaven meets earth it's super close super close and I turn around is getting thinner oh it was so thin and I'm like used to I'm used to like skiing these like you know you're like 10,000 feet above and you're like down but guys y'all are grounded on like skis and poles and snow and and you know nowadays helmets right and I'm standing up I get up and I'm like a pack mule because Sasha was off breastfeeding somewhere and and like Chuck was chasing all the kids and so I had loaded all the bags on my shoulder and cross body cross body like all the bags and I'm like trumping up the steps and you don't stop once you start stadium steps you don't start because if you stop you're going backwards like, nah. so I'm like, I literally never looked back. I was just like, stop, hold, stop, hold, stop, hold. And I'm like, I can't breathe. By the time I'm at the top, I'm like, okay, okay. So I take the bags off, I set them down, and I put a chair down, and I thank the Lord. I did not have any of my kids with me at that point. And I turn around, and I sit down. I won't do that to you. So I turn around, sit down, and I go, <gasps> <laughs> It is like straight down. (laughs) And I'm like, "Ah." and I start to have a complete panic attack, y'all. Like out of mind, like I'm sweating. Not a little bit, as Jess told me later, you were sweating profusely. I was not glowing. I'm like holding on, I'm shaking. I am not exaggerating, guys. This is not a Megan exaggeration. This is a truth. And I am like, I'm gonna, we're gonna die. And and Brad, they're bringing the kids up here. And I was like, we can't bring the kids up here. And so Jess comes and just sits down arm in arm and just starts praying over me. But my heart like literally was like out of my chest. Like, and so then Jonathan's like, well, if you go up six more steps at this point, I'm like, well, death is that way. I am not going back down those steps. <laughs> six more. There's a flat landing up there, but you can't see anything. I was like, praise Jesus. I, I won't be able to see anything. <laughs> And I'm never coming down again. <laughs> I, I was really at the point where Brad was going to have to talk to somebody over the entire Arrowhead Stadium and find out how do you remove people <laughs> from the top? Because we had multiple people. T- airlift out of a stadium. <laughs> yes. 
Um, because they kept telling us there are no elevators that go up there. There are no elevators that go up there. So, so we get up six more steps and I'm like up on this thing and I'm like dying, but it's level ground that's like 20 feet wide and like a hundred feet long. And I'm like, I can do this. As long as I don't have to look, I can do this. And I get up there and there's a man in a wheelchair. And we find a worker and we're like, okay, really, there has to be an elevator. He's like, there's no elevator up here. Like, okay, well, you must know what you're talking about. But the wheelchair and the man who obviously doesn't walk is saying something different, but okay. So I was like, he has really good friends who trumped him up those steps. That's all I can think is like, this is like the parable of the man being layered through the roof because somehow he got up on the roof of the stadium, but there's no elevator. So I'm like, all right, we're going to be up here for a bit. And I'm like, I can't stop shaking. My heart finally starts to calm down, but I'm feeling like I've missed most of what was being said on the, and they had moved into a time of speaking now. And I really wanted to hear, but then I like couldn't hear because like you said, the speaker suddenly went out. So I stick a thing in my ear and I'm like, I've got to go find a bathroom because I have to just find water and splash myself and like wipe down because I was just shaking so bad. So I get into the bathroom and there's like this, some poor random teenage girl in there. I felt so bad for her because all of a sudden Lou Engel comes on and he's giving this charge and it's about to time to take communion together. And he was like, we're going to do this. And this communion matters because it is people from around the world and around like all ethnicities and all cultures. And these are the body of Christ coming together. And they, when you came in, they gave everybody a little baggie that had a pen, a communion cup, like not the ones we have here. This was really weird and gross. But anyway, a little communion cup and a little brochure thing. And they were like, keep this because you're going to want to have it. So Lou is like building hype and I'm in the bathroom and guys, I don't know what happens. I just break like in the bathroom. I, mean, I don't know. It's the heat and the kids and I'm never going to get off the stadium again. And, and I'm in there and I'm like sobbing, ugly sobs, ugly sobs. Like something was working its way out and I don't think it's kind of finished yet, but it was working its way out. So I'm sobbing and I'm kind of doing like a, you know, taking paper towels and wetting them and um, wiping myself down. And, and I'm just in there, like I was holding onto the basin of the sink, ugly sobbing. And I'm like, I can't even do communion because they're in the bottom of Sasha's stroller. 46 steps down plus six. I can't count like that. And I was like literally crying over this, which sounds so dumb, but I was a little emotionally unstable at that point. And so I get out and I turn the corner and Sasha's standing out there with her stroller. And I just fall apart even more. And Sasha looks at me like, are you okay? Are you okay? It's like, no, Lou Engel's saying it's time to get our communion cups and you're here. So I like, I'm gathering the communion cups for everybody. Cause at this point I'm like, you're going to take communion. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I was like, how did you get here? And she's like, there's an elevator. Okay. So for, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear, right? So you have to see there, this is, is so God and it's so silly and it's, it's a story, but there's a message. And the message is Revelation 4. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the voice came and spoke to me like a trumpet and said, come up here. First of all, humility is the way. There's, there's, no, sta- there's no elevator unless you come through humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we want to come up to where the Lord is, 
We got to walk in that place of humility, but we also have to walk together. Some of us are in different places as we're ascending the hill of the Lord. Some of us are at the bottom, right? Coming up, we're in different stages and different places. It's not about hierarchy or anything like that. It's just, we all come up, we come down. We come up and we see the Lord. It's Galatians 2.20. But we come up and we see the Lord. He sends us up and he sends us back down. We come up again and he sends us back down again. Sends us up and out, right? So this whole story is a progress. Here's the thing. We could not have done it without them. Sasha and I could not have done it without them. Megan could not have done that. The Lord was teaching us. He's teaching all of us right now how important it is that we're together. I was joking a few seconds ago and I said, Jonathan was like a spy. He was scouting out the land. So much of this is, if you have ears to hear this morning, I'm praying that you'll get connected ultimately to, not, I should say, I shouldn't say ultimately, first to, to your heart with the Lord and how he's teaching you to ascend into the high place, to come to him into that place of, of intercession where, where John went with the Lord um, on the Isle of Patmos. But ultimately, to recognize how you fit in the grander scheme of things, because that's, that's where we were finding ourselves is ultimately connected into the grander scheme of things in the story. And we couldn't get into that place if we didn't have a scout spying out the land. Seriously, I mean, it's exactly like what it was. So, word, yeah. so anyways, see, see the prophetic significance, the parable that the Lord's putting in front of us because I didn't even know any of that happened. I was, I was out, they wouldn't let me into the nursing mother's room. Sasha couldn't, I couldn't even help my wife in there. Um, so there are so many different things. If you see the story, the significance of it all, uh, what the Lord's doing is there's, you know, there's no easy buttons, but there is a grace button. So some of us had to climb up the stairs. Some of us got the elevator. It all happens in different ways. In the bathroom, the Lord sent me um, in, a, in a different stadium event, but it was the call, Ohio, uh, back in 2010, 2008 or nine, I can't remember. Uh, but it was a very similar story. And, and the idea is he's sending you to the restroom and you get delivered in the restroom. When you learn to go into the restroom, when you learn to go into the place of healing, cleansing, bathing you where the Lord is coming, when you're at the end of yourself and we're all going. We're all in different stages of that process. You come in and that's where communion's at. Mm. Wow. All right, Jonathan, come on. We got it. All right. We've all learned that Jonathan usually has something really important for us to hear, but we've got to just quit talking so he'll try. <laughs> okay. So I think for me, um, I, I didn't know what I was going to say when I came up here at all. Um, but listening to the stories that and the experiences of the rest of the group, um, there, there's really a couple of things that kind of s stuck out to me. And one of them is, and I don't know if we even told you guys this, but like Wednesday night before we left really early Thursday morning, we actually seriously considered not going just because it was like getting our family ready and getting everything packed up and just the stress of, of that. Absolutely. You know, we were like, is this where we're supposed right to go? Like, are we really supposed to take our family on a 10 hour drive, <laughs> you know? And, but we went, yeah. we showed up, yeah. right? Yeah. We showed up <laughs> and and, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't really have any expectations yeah. going into it. 
And, but swimming pool. Except for the swimming pool, we, we did know that. Yeah, um, so we didn't know what to expect. We were, um, but, but we went anyway. And, um, it, and there, was, there was one word, and I think this kind of ties into to, to a little bit of everybody's story, that, um, that I heard, it, it was something somebody spoke, and they, they basically said, we're called to not just be faithful, we're called to be obeyers. Mm, yeah. And I feel like that's, that's something for, for each and every one of us. Like, it's not just about being faithful, it's not just about seeking after God, but when you have that connection and he tells you something, it's about being obedient. And it pulled back this theme, you know, that God's kind of been speaking to me, you know, for, for the last year. And that is that obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not about giving things up. It's not about that. It's hearing from God and being obedient. And that's what he's looking for out of all of us. A couple of things. My, my last question to us, um, sort of whenever we were debriefing, is, is what is this, how does this shape our, our ministry call and trajectory here? Um, and I think, you know, I, I, made some, I, made, I made some notes too about what I sense the Lord was saying. And one of those was just, it's, it's an awareness that... Um, that we are part of a part of a movement that's bigger than than we realize and it's growing i was impressed by i was just i was struck by not just believers on the face of the earth there's always been believers on the, but but a movement of of a generation of people that are done with christianity as normal come on you know with the cultural expression of christianity we're done with that and um, that we're, we're, we're hungry for more. We're hungry for presence and purity and power and those things. And this is a growing movement. You know, somebody mentioned that Descend has been, they've been doing this for a number of years. I think um, in 2019 or 2020, they were in Rio, in Rio de Janeiro, and they had three stadiums filled to capacity. It's pretty amazing to think of that. This year, they're going to back to Rio. They're going to somewhere in Norway. And it's just, it's not about this event. It's about what's, what the Spirit of God is doing. You know, and the Lord is, is clear that he really is raising up um, a revival generation. The greatest revival generation that the world's ever known. Because the greatest harvest that the world has ever known is, is here. And it's coming. Um, and... I, the Lord also just made it clear, I think, to many of us that, that, that prayer and mission are, are, are inseparable and that part of, the, part of our calling is to, is to cultivate that here in Lexington. A prayer movement, a missions movement, um, and, and, and just, just give ourselves to that. You know, we were, and I've had conversations with others, you know, with Sam and Luke and a number of other people from other churches who went there as well. We're all hearing the same thing, that, that Lexington is prime ground um, for a work of God. It's, it's just the, the soil is just ready. The fruit is here. And the Lord just wants people who will simply say, here we are, send us, you know, and I think all of us want to be that. All of us, we want to not do church as normal. We don't. We don't want to just go through the motions and, 
Then 10 years pass, and what have we done? You know, we may have a bigger building or a fresh coat of paint on, or we may have more bottoms and chairs, but if that's all that we can say, that's not enough for us. You know, that's not enough, that's not enough of a legacy that, that we can present to the Lord. And the Lord is saying, am I not worthy of the families of Lexington? Do I not deserve the hearts? Do I not deserve every heart in Lexington? You know, so I just, I will wrap up with just any, any reflections on what Kansas City then means for us personally or um, just as a church. So we'll make it pretty quick and yeah. move on. I think that as, as we were kind of finishing our time up there, Sasha had looked at me. I hope this isn't, you know, you'll have things to say too, but she looked at me and she was like, this is, this is why we are here today. Um, there was a lot of learning, a lot of like being you know, broken open. But as we sat up there and prayed with Tracy and Keon and just got to connect with them, it became really obvious that that connection point with this family was the reason we were where we were at that point. And we couldn't have not have gotten there without the participation of each of us being obedient to, to climbing those stairs and being in that position. But Keon turned right as we were leaving because we kept just wanting to pray. I mean, we were just, we just had this connection with this couple and it was like, we kept praying. It was like, we got to really go. And they were like, yeah, we'll see. We're going to try to find you guys at church tomorrow. But there's like 2000 people there the next morning. So we didn't, we texted back and forth. We're like, couldn't find each other. But but he looks at us at one point and he was like, you know, would you pray, pray for the black church in America, pray, pray for it because, and he was like, and have you ever spent time doing prison ministry? Like he was just like charging us with stuff. And we we're like, yes, I mean, that's, that's, that's something that's just like heavy in, in his heart. And he was like, because he really believes, and I, I heard this from the panel the next morning at Forerunner, but the idea that each ethnicity kind of, each people group that the Lord has created carries a it kind of like a, its own mantle, its own like charge of like, this is your expression of like the arts or, or music or worship. And he was like, I believe that, that black men are supposed to carry worship out and that the music industry has twisted this and has broken this and it has, has lied. And, and, and now you look at like the people in the prisons and you look at this and he was like, and we were just like a crying together. I mean, it was just, and we were like, yes. And, and I just, I thought coming back to Kentucky, I'm like, Lord, how do you do this? And then naturally, naturally, which is what the Lord's doing because he's speaking. His word goes out and he's not just speaking to us. He's speaking across the board. I've ended up having like three or four conversations with other people where the Lord's like, this is what I'm calling. This is what I'm calling. Like, who's going to go? Who will say yes? Who will go? And, um, so I don't know fully what that looks like yet. I know some things are marinating in the prayer room area, but I know that things are marinating in other ministry areas as well where people want to go in. And, and that's what excites me is like, let's just go into the places where people say, don't go. Because I'm like dumb enough to be like, let's go. You know, like you're like, that's a dangerous area. I'm like, sign me up. Let's go. Maybe not 46 stories up, but out. Yes. And so, so I was excited. I felt like, and then Sunday morning, I ended up having this amazing conversation and just sharing with this lady, this, this Asian woman. Um, and the Lord was just speaking again and again, like the people I really got to connect with were, were people that didn't look like me. And the Lord was just like, because this, what you recognize in these people is you recognize me. You recognize me. You recognize me. This is my spirit in your brothers and sisters. And I'm like, I'm just hungry to get out on the streets. Um, I want to like call up Ryan and be like, sign me up next time you're out. Um, I want to go out with you. Um, but it was good. Awesome. So for me, 
one of the most beautiful things is we're talking about obedience. One thing I want to say is, is weakness because it was weak, broken obedience. It, it wasn't all the different things that kind of aligned didn't align because we were all really coordinated and we're obeying and, oh, okay, I'm hearing the Lord say go up 39 steps. Um, the obedience was just, God, we're here and it's hard and, and frankly, we're somewhat miserable and, and also just trying not to grumble and complain. But the reality was the sovereign hand of God, and I want to encourage you in your own life, is you're moving and, and where the Lord's moving you it's much like the children of Israel. It might not feel like, you know, it might feel like broke, weak, weak obedience, um, but it, it's powerful and the Lord sees it as love. And you need to trust that even if the Lord can move our families in this kind of way, if the Lord can move Israel through 40 years in a wilderness, and again, tying this back into what is God doing, He's moving it all ultimately to set up his throne in Jerusalem. And Jesus is not only was able to move um, in Hebrews, it says that Jesus was the one that saved Israel in the Exodus. And he's also the one that is going to bring about the fullness, the fullness of time. He's going to bring about the fullness of their promises and he's going to bring about the fullness of time. He's going to come again and he's going to plant his kingdom in, in Jerusalem. Um, and just to see the sovereign hand of God in the middle of difficult times, economic trials, shortages, all these different things that we are concerned with in our time today is that the Lord can take his, his family yeah. and through our weak obedience, fulfill us in his love. And yeah. the last thing that I'm excited about is to see a generation, an older generation, uh, which I consider myself now a part of, as I have six arrows in my sling, I have six children. And to be able to then pass the baton, the torch. I was a young man and I was single and I want to pass that torch on to that next generation. I want to encourage us all to pray for Gen Z, uh, which I believe will be generation zeal. For The zeal of my house has consumed me. Um, I want to encourage us to do that in Jesus' name. Okay. All right. Any other final takeaways from you three? Uh, I guess for me the theme of identity keeps coming back up and it goes along with the obedience, but just seeing the, um, seeing the, the church in the prayer room, especially and seeing the, um, the identity that was there and that they were walking in their calling. Um, and we as a church have a calling in, um, there are smaller parts of that. We are all different, and we are called to do separate things within that body. Um, and they're, they're hard things. They're not easy things. But if, again, you know, you've all heard it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But if we're walking in our identity, then the obedience makes sense, right? Like, we've all been called in this identity to do our particular things, to have a church that prays. Um, yeah, so I guess I just, um, I would encourage everybody to um, ask the Lord. There's some podcasts that we would be happy to share out about, about identity. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but if it's what you're called to do, then the obedience, it's, it's not as hard. 
yeah. we can do hard things. Absolutely, and that kind of goes into my last thing, is that lean into the hard. I think cultural Christianity says, if it's hard and there's trial, then God hasn't blessed it. And if you read your Bible, that's not exactly what he says. He, <laughs> he says, there will be trial, there will be hardship, but I'll be with you in it. We serve Emmanuel, God with us. And so as a family of body of Christ, I charge us to lean into the hard, not just of circumstances, but of people. I think the intimacy that we long for is in the heart of relationship. And we have to learn how to do relationship well, not just the surface level where it's the chill and the goosebumps and we're like, hi, hi, bye, see you next Sunday. But let me come into your house, let me, you, you come into my house and you'll see my mess and you'll see my dirty dishes, both physically and metaphorically, and you'll love me regardless. And that is the culmination of Jesus' prayer in John 17 where he says, Give them the same glory that I have with you, which is the same unity, the same intimacy that I have with the Father I want to have with one another. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, my panel, for sharing on that. Um, a couple things that, as you guys can, we're going to worship here, so we can clear this off. Um, a couple practical things, though. That for the last three or four weeks, we've been speaking on missions and evangelism. Billy Henderson was here. I appreciate him sort of recapping some of the things that we talked about, um, especially this year. And I, I want to encourage you, let's, let's begin to, to get in the mindset of, of, of being on call for the Lord as, as ambassadors, to walk in the power of the Spirit for evangelism. And this is just a simple sheet that had a challenge that I gave um, a couple of weeks ago. Believing that I am called to be a great commissioned Christian, I commit to, and then four things, to confront my own barriers to evangelism. In other words, ask the Lord, Lord, what, what in my own heart is, 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 is keeping me from being on mission? Is it fear? Is it just... You know, a degree of apathy towards the world. Is it because I just, I, I don't feel like I'm equipped? Whatever those are, begin to confront those. Um, to connect with God's heart for the world through prayer, through the word. The more that you get, a gri get gripped with God's heart for the world, it changes you. You sense, you, you just sense his, 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 his deep love for the lost, for refugees, for the poor, for those in prison, for your neighbor next door, for those addicted. We want God's heart to be our own heart, and we can't really minister um, out of our own. Third thing is choose to become more equipped. Um, one of the ways that we, we're going to do uh, in, in the season to come, I thought about doing it in, in June, but I think instead of in June, we probably will do it maybe in, in, in August or September, is to do Kingdom Boot Camp. That's a four-week training class on, on how, to, how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit for ministry. So if you've not done that, uh, let me know you're interested. We'll have some sign-ups, but it likely will be um, after, after July and August when we do that. Um, but there's other ways to become equipped, lots of resources that we can get your hands on. And the fourth thing is to commit to engage with the unsaved. It simply is a matter of this, just saying, Lord, I do, I commit. Whenever I, whenever I see someone, you're going to prompt me to engage with them. Whenever I see someone that needs physical prayer, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to get to know my neighbors. I'm going to invite them. 
uh, to church, invite them just to, into my home, have a cup of conversation. There's some connection or some invitation cards that are stapled to these. I would encourage you if you didn't if you didn't make this commitment two weeks ago, do it today. Come up and, and get one of these. Um, so that's that's one shift that I've been sensing for a while that the Lord is doing is He's calling us um, just to have. To, 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 to put the shoes of the gospel on our feet. To lace up our running shoes for the mission. To be in training mode, to be in running mode, to be in, in engaging the world mode. I sense God's calling us to do that. That's an individual thing, but it's also a, a corporate thing. Um, so there's, there's, there's more initiatives that, 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 that the Lord is going to give to us in the season to come. <clears throat> None of those initiatives will, will make a difference if you and I personally are not committed, though, to be Great Commission. That's one shift. The other shift is, is just we're going to keep growing in, growing in prayer. Um, we're going to be opening our prayer room up for some, some, some live sets. We've been teaching on Heart and Bowls. I've mentioned this. And for those of you that were a part of that, it's it's, it's, it's a powerful tool. I'm excited about it. I want you, uh, I want you to be a part of that as well. So in the next, probably in the next several weeks, we'll be releasing a, a schedule for when our prayer room, our prayer room is at the end of this hallway to the farthest end. It's got great access right outside. Um, and and our, our desire in, in, in the very near future, in the days to come, is to have some scheduled times in the week where we've got worshipers and intercessors ministering in there. We're not going to go 24-7. That's exactly, yeah, that's that's not, we're not aiming for that right now. We're just going to start with a few. So if that's, if you have a heart for that, for worship or intercession, come and talk to Chuck and Sasha about that. Because this is something God's calling us to do and we want all hands on deck for this well. And there's also some the Lord is also stirring in the greater Lexington community towards collaborating for prayer and worship. So we're excited about what that means. You know, we don't even know what the future holds, but we know that the Lord is, it doesn't just begin and end with King's Church. It's something bigger than us, and we just want to take our place for that as well.